Well, dude, I want to dig into the album, of course, talk about the tour and get your opinion on a couple of things. And let's start with the new album, Scorched, man. Another banger out of you guys, loving it. But also, you made us wait four years in between albums from The Wings of War to the new one, Scorched. Obviously, the pandemic threw a wrench into everything. But I'm kind of curious, man, because you guys started working on the album pretty quickly after The Wings of War. Did you tinker with it or did you use that extra time or did you just kind of record it and sit on it? Kind of curious what you did with that extra time that the pandemic unfortunately provided you. Well, I'm not taking responsibility for the pandemic, but no. I will take responsibility <laughs> for some of the results of the record. <laughs> what happened? Uh, yeah, we did tinker, obviously. I mean, it, you know, it, I think everybody that anybody that I knew during the pandemic personally, we're, we're looking for their places to go. You know, I mean, sure. You were trying to work, you were trying to make a buck. I mean, you're doing your, your radio thing, you know, sure. whatever people do, but you, I think that I just expanded it, you know, with regard to the record. Cause I was really the last one to finish. And as I was finishing it, I, you know, I'm showing Dave and Dave is writing melodies and counter melodies. And I think that it, it came, you know, it gave us good results. Uh, you know, the, the time afforded or the extra time afforded, uh, you know, worked out to positive results. I mean, that's a, that's the best way to put it. And it was nice to break that mold of the two years because yeah. sure, we did the Wings of War and I think we were on the road. It was March 2020 and I already yeah. had the demo, you know, for, for what was to be scorched. So, um, you know, Dee one of those, I work on a clock kind of dudes, but I was, I was good to, it was good for me to break that mold and kind of look at it differently and just let it reflect the pandemic, but more so in a positive way to say, hey, listen, something good came out of this shit, at least on this personal level. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, it's interesting because some people do tinker with it. And then other people, like I talked to Red Fang and they're like, we just finished recording. So we just sat on it and didn't mess with it. And I'm always curious because a musician, that's the other thing, too. It's like, how do you know when a record's ever done when it's really done? Usually you're running out of time, but now you had all the time in the world. That's a great point, because I know guys who are, who are like that, too. Like you just mentioned about Red Fang. It's just like if it's done, it's fucking done. Don't continue, you know, to <laughs> to mess with what you know they think is perfection or, or what their vision of it was. But I also know other guys who are, you know, it's never done. They can't, you know, they can't pull the trigger on it ever. You know, it's like this could always be better. Right. Um, I think it, I think in our case, it was you know, not having a choice was really what it was about. Again, being having the opportunity to go to a place that felt like a good place to go to, you know, somewhere that I recognized or felt normal for me as, as opposed to a musician or a writer or a craftsman, I would rather, you know, I, I would rather use that moniker, but I mean, I could, you know, I couldn't go out to the bar. I couldn't go out and see <laughs> a bunch of people and go to a show. And I couldn't, I was riding my motorcycle. I was buying beer out of the parking lot. It's <laughs> bringing it outside for me, you know? Um, and I had that demo, you know, so, I mean, it was it was something that I looked at as uh, kind of a blessing or a blessing in disguise um, in that time period. I love it, man. I mean, so many bangers on the record that the title track is a great intro and kind of curious, you know, about sequencing. Did, when you heard that, did you know, like, oh, this is not only going to be the album opener, but the title of the album? Because that 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 tune grips you right away. Well, you know, Didi's always been that cat, you know, where he has he has deep vision. I mean, he's very long sighted kind of a dude, and he uh, he mocked titles uh, many of his of his tracks. And I've had, I guess, since somewhere in the nineties, I've whenever he sent me something to complete, um, there'll always be one mock title this opener. 
and Scorch was, you know, right, right from the get-go. I mean, I, I heard he gave me two versions of it. He gave me one with this kind of like ACDC background vocals on it. Which I, I always say, please don't do that because then I'm kind of locked into this whole thing. You know, you hear it once, you're like, oh, my God. You're walking around singing Thunderstruck to it, you know. But, <laughs> but, the, uh, but the other one, I let it go away. And, um, you know, I was having to – I was just – it just seemed like it should be so simple. But because I had the other one that might – it twisted me into a direction already, um, I, I stayed away from it for months. And I'd written that chorus. Uh, it just was something I had in my head. It wasn't something I actually put down. And I think I was making Linguini clams, you know, just having one of those <laughs> pandemic nights by myself. And I'm uh, – and I started singing it. And, it. and I said, that's to that opening song. I said, that's what – Man, that's what it is. So just by uh, by hooker, by crooker, by luck, um, that's what ended up happening and making that song what it is. And I and I tend to agree. I think it's one of our best openers in uh, in for many years to come. And speaking of different tunes, man, Fever, kind of a cool, different vibe too, and a different sound coming out of you. Really dug that tune as a as kind of a, a palate cleanser too. Yeah, it was. You know, that was it was another. Um, it was probably. Uh, it was a little bit of a stumbling block for me. Uh, and, and that is because of the difference in it. You just have to take yourself out of your own mindset, you know, and that's, that's why it worked. And I just had to stop overthinking it and open my mouth. And and I've said it in interviews in the past, you know, one of the cool things was I was, I was listening to uh, Ozzy and I think it was over the mountain mm. and it was around the house. It's just me. And I sing to anything that comes on. It's just me. The house has got big high ceilings. It sounds like you're singing in a church, you know? And um, I was singing that, and I said, "Fuck, there it is." It's not about over overthinking it. It's just, it's like what this dude does. You know, he he thinks it, he opens his mouth, and it sounds great the way he opens his mouth. And so I suppose I channeled some kind of inner Ozzy in there, <laughs> as having fun with it. But it was uh, overthinking. It was not the the uh, the solution to finishing the song. It was just doing it. And uh, I think that that's probably that. Uh, what gives it that kind of natural feel that it, it doesn't seem like it's forced. Yeah. That's the other interesting too, talking about tinkering at the beginning, but a lot of musicians say that it comes to them in five minutes and, and the first take in the, that first five minutes is the best version. And that en- ends up usually being the, the big songs. Isn't that a great point? I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, I I've done this thing for years where the first thing that comes to me, I say, okay, I won't get rid of it. I'll just save it. But then I go around this big, big circle, you know, and I come right back to that first thing. You know? So I just said, boy, I would have saved myself a lot of time. But then what would I have done? You know? <laughs> I love it, man. And, you know, Bittner uh, always slays, but I feel like he took his vitamins on this album and, and maybe hit the drums a little bit harder. And certainly his uh, second album with you guys probably opened up a little bit more, too, with him being on the second album for you. Well, I got to tell you something. I, you know, I sat here and when, you know, when you came on, I was like, oh, my God, he's got his Bittner look on. <laughs> People have had to say that to you before, right? I haven't got, got that, but 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 I'm not mad at it. Jason, when you get this on and you're wearing a hat like that, man, you got the glasses. I said, boy, that's a Jason look. <laughs> he's, uh, he was very comfortable. And you can't take him out of songwriting. You know, he's... Um, you know, he's a, a consummate professional, you know? I mean, you send this guy a joke during the afternoon. He's like, could you stop bothering me? I'm trying to learn the set for the tour. <laughs> you mean you still practice? <laughs> but he, uh, I mean, he's really the MVP on it because um, 
it's it's a diverse record, and I think that diversity needs to be needs to shine through from the first step. And the first step is the drums. You know, it's the four count into the song. And what Jason did post four count for every song was unique across the board. And I think that um, I think he just you know, like I said, MVP. He just he he shined above or shone above everything else in there. If that wasn't there, the record just by no means would be that good. He really played he played his heart out and. And one of his best performances uh, in his uh, stellar career to uh, to date. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's he's been a beast since day one, since Shadows Fall. But uh, I really felt it on the, on this new album, and the two of you guys together is a match made in heaven. You know, it's funny. It, it's funny because I mean, for all of my, you know, people think that you know a singer um, in many cases will write to a guitar, and that, that's true, but. Some, uh, including myself, right to the beat. Mm. Um, and we're not a rhythmic band. I'm not saying that. You know, it's not like everything is rhythm based. But the way I phrase things are, it's mm. uh, it's a melodic it's a melodic bass um, with a rhythmic type phrasing over the top of it. And that's what gives it kind of it's a kind of a unique quality. And to have Jason be the one who starts that, it, it makes it that much more interesting for me. It's not like. Um, you know, if somebody said, oh, I'm just not into overkill, you know, they're just a one trick pony since the fucking 91 or something. You go, you're not listening to it. Nope. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't care if people don't like us, but I'm saying if that's the way we're writing stuff and evolving over all these years, then having a guy like Jason come in, who is like a rhythm fucking machine, um, it makes my job that much more, I'm not going to say easy, but more interesting. Um, and I think the, you get better results out of uh, when the musicians themselves are interested totally in everything. They're encompassed in everything that's going. I love it, man. Killer album, album number 20. And looking forward to seeing all these tunes live, or at least some of them. Uh, I'm calling it a thrash-tastic tour that you've put together here. We have you in Southern California, July 14th at the Grove of Anaheim with old friends Exhorter and Heathen. What a great, you know, what a great venue that is. And what a great package. It's a yeah. great underground package. You know, this is not the, uh, you know, this is not about uh, anything except uh, doing it in the underground and doing it well. You know, um, it, we just got through Europe with these guys in April. You know, it, it touched into May. Uh, and we said, you know, why don't we take this around, you know, the States too, because it worked that well. We've toured with Exhorter in the past and it's just, they're a fun band to tour with. And I think there were great compliments to each other. Yeah. We were actually on the road with them when, you know, when they shut everything down <laughs> right. in 2020. But the, you know, the, the good thing about this is that we all work together well. It's a great presentation. It's three bands you really want to see. Um, we'll get a, we'll get an opener to come on and uh, and do something to, uh, to entertain those who come that early. But uh, I think those three bands are always worth seeing. And it's um, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's not like it's not over yet. I mean, that's the great thing about this. You know, this many years later, I think it's 43 years or something. I know Didi. I mean, it's not over yet, you know, <laughs> which, which is kind of nice. So, and it's not like, you know, kicking a dead horse. And I think the results there are in a record like Scorched, you know, that yeah. we're talking about. It's not a dead horse. It's got, you know, it's got a lot of life to it. It's got a lot of, you know, it's ba it's based in the 80s, but it's got a fresh coat of paint on it that gives it 2023. Um simultaneously but that must be the hardest part now i mean 20 albums deep how the hell do you put together a set list because you got so many classics that you have to play and then of course you want to work in some new ones how do you do that you throw a paint against the wall how does that set list work out if somebody goes what about and i say no i'm not doing that what about <laughs> no i'm not doing that 
43 years and still a pain in the ass. Um, there is, uh, I don't know. I mean, you got to do some of the classic ones. Right. Uh, classic kill, uh, you know, rotten to the core, I think has been in the set since the early days. Um, I think that we were playing that before we were signed, you know, with Bobby Gusterson back in when we had a, we had an EP out. Um, Jeez, I mean, I hear that in my sleep, you know, the <laughs> elimination. So he's in there. Of course. Um, so it's kind of that classic kill kind of stuff. You know, some stuff from the newer days that have, have fallen into that. I think the song called Electric Rattlesnake. Yeah. Uh, we like the song Ironbound. Yeah. Um, I mean, these are some, you know, these are some real bangers that, that fall into that classic. Well, but we've got to do three to four new ones. You can't just not, you know, if you're just going out doing the old stuff, you've become the novelty act. Um, so we have to present the new stuff. So for sure, you're going to hear the surgeon, uh, scorched, um, yes. and uh, wicked place. We've also learned twist of the wick. Uh, when we get down into rehearsals and stuff, we'll make a a, a decision on which ones are, are staying, if all. Uh, but there'll be at least three, possibly four, and then we try to mix it up with shit that we haven't played in a long time. You know, um, you know my my feeling is is that there's a whole bunch of stuff that feels like we've never done it. Mm. So it's always kind of fun to throw in something, you know, something from the old days that had, you know, super impact, like a song like Necro Shine might be in the set or Horoscope. Something Ooh, like killer, killer. It is, it is tough to pick the set. You're 100% correct. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the show, man. I wanted to hit you with a couple other things real quick here. Uh, BPMD was a great album and project that you did and the American Made 70s cover album and kind of curious, was that a one and done or is there more meat on that bone? We've always, you know, we've always talked about doing it. I mean, the whole thing is just, uh, it, it's kind of the, you know, it's kind of the four buddies kind of a situation. I mean, it all stemmed or was born out of Metal Allegiance, right. Mark Mengi's involvement in that. He was really the guy who ran that. Um, and Mike Portnoy was there. Phil Demo was one of the add-ons. Um, I would come in and, and sing with them occasionally. You know, so it was just, it was just that fun type of a thing. Is there more beating the bone? Sure. I mean, it was supposed to, wouldn't it be fun to do made in the UK? Wouldn't it be fun to do made in Germany? Wouldn't it be, you know, that kind of a, so let's just say, let's just say we've done more than talk about it. There's <laughs> uh, these guys, we've gotten together out in Pennsylvania ah. at, the, uh, at the drummer's place out there where he's got his own studio and we've, uh, we ate pizza, drank a few beers and talked about really, you know, old 70s songs from different other parts of the world. So, uh, I think you'll see something again from it. Awesome. Looking forward to that. And and uh, talking about the new stuff, I wanted to hit the rewind button and go back to, to kind of the beginning. And normally uh, normally I don't get into band names and anything, but obviously Overkill, reference to the Motorhead album and, and tune. And I don't know if I've ever heard you talk about your relationship with Lemmy. And especially being gone now a couple of years, I always like to talk about the dead to keep them alive. But kind of curious, man, what was your relationship like with Lemmy? A and B, what did he say to you when he found out like, hey, we named our band after you? Like, what was his reaction to that? Well, you know, I mean, we always we we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to tour more than once with them. I mean, we did uh, early on. And I think it was 88. Um, and this was my first introduction to this. And. And, and, you know, you don't necessarily, you know, some of that, I, I was at the point where I had met some of the guys already that I liked when I was, you know, when I was like growing up as a kid, you know, and a, a couple of times I was disappointed. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I just, 
I'm not saying that they're bad people. I was like, well, I guess they're not as excited as me. I, I get it. <laughs> but sometimes you don't want to meet them. And we, and we met him in 88. It was uh, Slayer, Motorhead, and Overkill. It was, uh. a, it was a great it was a great lineup. And it was exactly the opposite. It was like, how great are these fucking dudes? And how great is this guy? And all the years that followed that 88 tour, we'd run into him at Wacken or a European festival. He'd always remember us by first names. Always a gentleman. Always invite you in his dressing room to have a beer, talk old times, talk new times, what's going on. And then we toured again with them in 2007. Um, did about 12 German shows with them. So I'm sitting in a dressing room. I told the story before, but it's a good one. I'm sitting in the dressing room. My light guy comes in and goes, Lemmy wants to talk to you. I go down to the dressing room and he goes, well, you named your band, you know, after one of my songs. <laughs> I want you to come up and sing Overkill with me tonight. It's the last nice. show to tour. It's the last song in the set. I was like, I was over the moon, you know? I mean, not everybody gets this opportunity. No. So obviously my relationship with this dude is good. I get back to the dressing room and just to be sure... I read cheat notes of the first <laughs> verse on each arm. So I said, because we're doing a duet. I don't want to sing the second verse in the first spot. When I get up there, he goes, okay, I want to do this, but I want to do the choruses together. All right. So you come over to my mic on the choruses, but you sing over here on your own. But we're going to duet through the whole thing. And I keep glancing down at my arm. <laughs> and he looks over at me and his he gets this big fucking smile and goes over to his mic and goes, He's got cheat notes. The name of his band is Overkill. And he's got cheat notes for this song. I'm embarrassed. My whole head is totally red. So I don't know what to do. So I dive into the audience. I get swallowed up by about, I don't know, 10,000 motorhead bangers. And I can still see him leaning over the stage with his bass, mouthing the word cheat notes. <laughs> As I'm upside down in the crowd. So I suppose that story will let you know that my relationship was pretty good with it. <laughs> I love that story and haven't heard it before. Thank you for sharing. That's that's awesome. Good to know he was a ball buster, you know, to the end. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. And we do see Phil Campbell now when we're out on the road a lot. We, we did a show last summer with uh, Phil and the Bastard Sons over uh, over in over in Europe. And they actually did a full motorhead set. So it was really fun. Awesome. Dude, last thing I got for you, and uh, we're one of those old school stations. We do mandatory Metallica every night at 10 p.m., which you're going to be a part of. And, you know, I don't think it's a real thing, but if there was a degree in thrashology, I think you would have a Ph.D. for sure. And lately for mandatory Metallica, I've been posing this question. Been in a little debate with a buddy of mine who sings in a band called Against the Sun, a guy named Brad West. We've been debating the better of the two Metallica albums. His pick is Ride the Lightning. My pick is Master of Puppets. How say you, Bobby? You know, you have to first understand that the thing that changed everything, where all the rules were broken, was Kill Em All. I mean, you know, others will say, hey, listen, that's not the best Metallica album. I, I get that, but all the rules were broken from that point. Um, if I had to make a pick of those two, I would say Master of Puppets. Yeah. Because I think that they had come into their own at that point. And the, the, the excitement level can only go for so far, go so far before you have to be great songwriters. And I think by the time they got to Master of Puppets, they were became great songwriters. We're actually doing they actually added us on the the MetLife New Jersey show. Oh, cool. we're going to play outside the we're going to play outside the arena at the main gate. 
they're putting up like a theater stage there as people are as people are coming in and uh, they're doing those takeovers where it's um it's two nights yeah. it's a friday and a sunday right and they have stuff in between a day off on saturday and stuff in between but prong is doing uh doing the friday night and we're doing the sunday night on the way in so, nice. so i guess it's kind of cool still after all these years to still be connected to those guys i I, I always remember, you know, people telling me, you know, oh, it was the greatest, you know, that that whole sound that came out of the Bay Area. It's just unbelievable. That scene. I, and I'll always say this. I said, it may be true, but they had to travel 3000 fucking miles east <laughs> to New Jersey to get signed. <laughs> <laughs> By the label that we were on. Yeah. <laughs> Soon thereafter. <laughs> yeah. And rest in peace, Johnny Z. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, just to put a button on the Metallica thing, is there a tune we can play for you on Mandatory Metallica? Why don't you go with the, I mean, why don't you go with the, with the, um, with the title track? Just do Master. Beautiful. You know, I mean, it'd be great. Uh, that's what we just talked about. So, I, I mean, I think that kind of proves the point because that's the one right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that song's got everything. It's got the heavy, it's got the melodic breakdown in the middle. It shows every side of the coin kind of for them. No doubt. No doubt. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the time, Bobby. Can't wait to see you out there at the uh, Grove of Anaheim. All right, man. I'll be out there. Thanks. Good talk, Mike. You too. Bye-bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.